Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. On this episode of Around the Coin, I interviewed Alex Shevchenko, the CEO of Aurora Labs. Uh, Alex has a PhD in physics and math, and he's been working in the blockchain since 2015. He was previously at Near Foundation and started Aurora Labs and has since launched Aurora Plus and a few other projects that we talked about. Uh, We talked about mainly this big problem in the crypto world of how treasuries uh, give grants to new apps, new projects building on top of those protocols. So for instance, Aurora Labs wants app developers to build apps on top of Aurora, the the token. Uh, But how do you incentivize people? How do you pay them? Uh, 90% of projects, 90% of proposals out there for money to build on top of these protocols are, are scam or fraudulent. So we talked all about his ideas to solve that and other problems as well. Uh, Alex is incredibly technical, but he's also very macro thinking. And he has accomplished a lot in building out Aurora Labs. So I very much enjoyed this conversation. And I hope you do as well. Here is Alex Shevchenko. Alex, uh, we're live. Thanks for jumping on today. Um, I love what you're working on with Aurora Labs. A uh, little bit of context, your, your background, a PhD in math. You've worked at NEAR uh, Protocol previous. So it seems like you're perfectly suited to be building what you're building at Aurora. Um, in your own words, how what what was it when you started Aurora that made you realize that this is the place you wanted to spend the next five plus years of your life? Where, where did you see the gap in the market back then? Uh, yeah, Mike, thanks for having me here. Um, so everything started even before Aurora. So during my time at Bitfury, I used to work at Bitfury starting in 2015. So I was, I'm, you know, I cannot say that I'm super early in crypto, but uh, pretty early in crypto. Um, uh, I reconnected to once again with, uh, with my schoolmate, Ilya, and he said to me that he's building near protocol and we were starting, starting 2018, we were on the radar of each other. And when I became a free agent, uh, he invited me to join near. So I joined near for several months. We tried out, uh, what it is about working, uh, together. And at the point when Ilya understood that uh, everything is uh, going great, he was just coming to me and saying, hey, we probably should spin off 
everything that is Ethereum centric for a near protocol. And these are two products, uh, a Rainbow Bridge, which is the trustless bridge in between Ethereum and uh, near and also Aurora and Aurora itself. At that moment, it was not named Aurora. It was just an EVM on top of near. So, so that was, that was the point when, when everything started and I started to think about it. Uh, but I said to Ida, look, we need to release it first, both of the products, and then we can think about spin-off. So, uh, about the gap. So from my point of view, um, the, the gap is actually in, uh, there, there are two, two sides of it. Uh, the, the general, the general saying is about scaling, but there are two sides of it. Uh, one side is just technologically scaling uh, blockchain to be able to host many people. And from the other side, and the other face of this problem is that the user experience needs to be suited for, uh, for millions of people. And uh, current uh, blockchain user experience, um, how to say it, um, it is just disgusting, I would say. <laughs> so, so this, uh, all of the things about gas, uh, uh, stack transactions, the need for replay uh, of the transactions and stuff like that. This is very, very complicated. And especially for, you know, Zoomers who are just clicking their phones, looking at their phones, approving the transactions in their mobile banks, like it, it, it doesn't work. So yeah, one side technologically make sure that the blockchain can host many people and second making sure that these people are actually able to use it so mm -hmm. these this is from my point of view the gap uh, that exists right now and did you feel at that time that the natural trajectory of the products whether it's near or ethereum or apps on ethereum weren't heading in the direction of making the user experience better because naturally, I would think that that would be an evolution. You know, you get a product out the door, it's scrappy. But as you continue to grow, things look and feel better. Is that not the, was that not the internal dialogue amongst the dev team and the early contributors? Um, there was, like, I, I was looking into it a little bit like that. So from my point of view, blockchain community right now is like, like a teenager, right? So we are going on the handouts. We are, you know, making parties in between each other. We're saying that our parents web too. Uh, they know nothing. And we are going to, to start a revolution here and all of this stuff, right? Uh, self-serving, self-sovereign identities, you know, code is the law, all of these manifestos, right? So this is very, very, like like teenagers and then teenagers uh in their late 20s they say okay maybe my parents actually know something and i'm for sure convinced that web2 people know a lot uh, about things they know how to onboard millions and tens of millions of people they know how to scale the systems they know how to convert all of these people into kind of somebody who pays, right? So uh, different business models are out there. Uh, so from that point of view, I just believe that we need to learn from, from Web2 and apply these this techniques. Um, this thing was for a very long period of time missing. Uh, I'm a tech guy. I'm, I'm, I'm in that kind of devs 
um, gigs and uh, all of the like I'm, I'm I'm enjoying spending time with them and uh, inventing kind of algorithms and, and figuring out how to how to make sure that things are trustless. But from the other standpoint, I understand that in case we're progressing only in this direction, uh, crypto is not going to be successful. Um, somebody needs to stand out and you know do something. And there, there are some other projects that are trying to go into this direction, but we are raising this as a flag. Uh, to make sure the mass adoption is actually happening. Hmm. And uh, give me a sense of where the project is now. You started uh, two years ago. I see just on the the coin market cap, the valuation of the or the market cap of Aurora is around 115 million. Um, seems to be about 15 people full time. This is just LinkedIn. Like in your own in the things that matter to you. Where are you uh, on the road? On the roadmap. Yeah. So two of our products, Rainbow Bridge and Aurora itself, uh, are around one year in production. Uh, with, with the Rainbow Bridge, we have, um, uh, several billion of assets crossed, uh, from Ethereum to near and back. Um, in our Rainbow Bridge smart contracts, we hold more than one billion worth of assets, mainly stable coins. Uh, these things are under constant attacks. Uh, and uh, these attacks are actually uh, automatically mitigated. So pre- several several weeks ago, it was a kind of attack, and it, it gained uh, attention uh, of the crypto um, of the of the crypto Twitter at least. Um, Aurora is in production also, so the EVM itself is in production also for one year. There are no hacks of the Aurora, and I believe we're like, we're fully in production. The token itself, right, it was the decision uh, of the DAO. So the DAO was launched, and DAO decided that we need to create a mechanism for more decentralized governance. And for this, uh, they said that, okay, the token must be there. So we're not using Aurora token as, as a fee token, as a base token, as they say. Um, so this is only the governance token. And, um, um, and yeah, we still need to implement, uh, the, um, the, this more democratic kind of governance. But uh, pretty recently we launched our third product, which is called Aurora Plus. And this is our move towards the better user experience. Now, in terms of where we are, I know at least <laughs> about two big products that we need to release. Without them, I do not feel that the infra- that we are actually getting to our goal, and I do not think that uh, the infrastructure is fully set up. So um, I see our our mission in into building the infrastructure that will empower people, that will will give them an ability to launch many applications for m- <laughs> lots of people, right? And uh, in order to, to get there, we still need to release se- several things. So something is in production, it works, we're maintaining it, we're continuing the development, but there are also some additional things that we need to do. So we're somewhere in the middle. Um, a teenager. Uh, wh- what are the things yeah. that you need to? <laughs> what do you need? What are these two products that you need to get out the door? Um, so one of them is is in the stealth mode, so I cannot share lots of it. Uh, but it is um, in the direction for scaling that on the tech side, right? Aurora Plus is our 
solution for the user experience. And this product is our solution for the uh, for the scaling on the te- technological side. Um, the second one um, uh, is much more straightforward. So uh, this is the community treasury platform. Um, we would like to build, uh, according to Aurora Token Economy, 20% of the tokens are allocated to the community treasury. And the idea behind it is pretty simple. This is something that needs to be governed and managed by the Aurora token holders. And the goal of this money is to, uh, the goal for this money is investing into Aurora ecosystem, make sure that it, it is blooming. So we need to build a convenient uh, uh, platform for this. Um, and uh, we were actually building it. Uh, we were creating an MVP that is based on the kind of Kickstarter type of ideas. Uh, we didn't like it. Uh, and now we, we did the pivot there and uh, building something different. So this is, uh, this is the, literally the community treasury platform. We want to deliver it um, actually pretty fast. I don't think that it's going to take more than several months for us. And when you say community treasury platform, it, are you describing a way to decide how to distribute funds from the treasury into new projects? In general, yes. Uh, however, there is some kind of um, kind of additional flavor to it, right? Um, so, one option that is executed by all of the different projects out there uh, is actually grants programs, right? So, right. so teams are coming asking for the grants, and grants are allocated to them usually in the token of the project. These teams are dumping these tokens and going to the next, doing nothing almost, and going to the next uh, blockchain. <laughs> this wow. is this is what is happening in 90% of the cases. Uh, 90? 90? Yeah, yeah, nine zero. yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately. So, like, there are people that are free riders that are that are trying to do this. Yeah. Uh, pretty often, at the moment, we Aurora also has an operational grant uh, um, uh, program, and uh, literally, we are looking at the projects, and you know, nine out of ten of them are either uh, you know directly scam, <laughs> or they are just uh, reapplying from from other blockchains and stuff like that so they already got the, the the grant so unfortunately people do not want to build they want to get money and that's it and um yeah so so grants are not working right um this is uh, from my point of view uh, uh this is uh, this is something that like with the grants uh, in the way how they are created at the moment um I do not see the light in the end of the tunnel. Um, however, some, there are other uh, approaches that are working. So Kickstarter itself uh, is a very popular crowdfunding platform. And imagine that on top of Kickstarter, we can use community treasury as additional incentives. So it is an incentive. It is like a cashback incentive to the people who are investing in the projects. It is an incentive, a long-term incentive for the projects that are built in Aurora. So, for example, the tokens that are allocated to the projects, they are not just transferred to them, but they are transferred within the uh, within the time frame of multiple years. 
why the team who started the project has long-term incentives and other product uh, on other projects in the ecosystem do not have these long-term incentives this is some kind of from my point of view strange uh, strange kind of division um and uh, better to fix it right so we can use this this money from the community treasury as incentives so this is not a grant it's people who are investing in the projects yes but they're getting a cashback yes okay this is good and then the projects also get getting the long-term incentives um, this is a new type of um the new type of uh, kind of platform but the ideas from the kickstarter kickstarter or similar platforms uh, are obviously applicable Mm. And it's effectively a pledge. You know, if I'm, if you come to me <clears throat> and you say, or I come to you, let's say, and you're holding the treasury for the Aurora Dow, and I say, I want to build something, you're saying today, right now, 90% of the applications are, are not just for Aurora, but across the board for other projects are, are either fraudulent or people are just taking the money and leaving, which is, and they're acting fraudulently. Yeah, or they or they already developed something, and they're just applying it. They are pretending that th- that this thing is not existent, uh, but in fact, what they're changing is they they literally switching one EVM network into it, the other, and that's it. And there are quite yeah. a lot of different EVM networks. So, yeah, I think it's safe to it's safe to call that fraud. So, <laughs> at least yeah. if you were if if you were a founder and you raise money from investors and pull technology from some other startup and then showed investors that this is what you built and took the money and ran, you would be sued. Absolutely, no question about it. So, because we don't have the kind of I almost look at it as, as a function of the incentive system or the system where if you're just giving someone tokens and you don't need any sort of litigation upon their uh, diligence or their their performing, then it kind of opens the door. But I like your suggestion. So if you have Kickstarter, the Kickstarter just representing this idea that the the compensation is going to be paid contingent upon the deliverables. So I pay you when you ship something. In the case of Kickstarter, like, you know, people pay uh, $100 for a new pair of shoes that are that light up in the bottom. If the company can ship these shoes, then they get paid. But 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 is that is that the mechanics even in Kickstarter? I, I thought Kickstarter was was actually the money gets sent to the projects and then uh, the the or contributors got some sort of um, you know free thing or discounted thing if that happened. Yeah, so it is closer to the second thing. However, in order for you to be able to um, to list a project on Kickstarter, you are you need to be verified. Kickstarter need to understand what you're doing in case in case you Kickstarter users are complaining about the quality of the project when then then some actions are going to be applied to you. So um, it, it is not, uh, there is some kind of rigorous um, assessment of what is happening. Uh, and, uh, and usually it is not happening with grants program because because companies who are running grants, they have lots of their own stuff to do. <laughs> they need to develop protocols. They need to, you know, kind of think about that stuff. Mm. Uh, and uh, believe me, there are lots of things in the protocol development. It is a very, very complicated task. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's just not enough attention. And the problem, the problem there is also in the fact that uh, there is a misalignment of incentives. And I believe this is, this is the major problem why 
And this is the major reason why uh, grants program are not working. So imagine somebody who is running the grants program. This is a guy um, in the um, that is working for business development team, right, or something. He has his own incentives, long-term incentives, and this is his main uh, kind of thing that he has. And uh, his goal is to, you know, increase the amount of projects. How these projects are going to increase the value of the ecosystem, we're not sure. We're even not sure whom of these projects who receive the grants are going to launch. And uh, uh, but you need to deploy money in in with the hope that this is going to, with when with the hope that this some somehow is going to influence mm-hmm. the ecosystem. On the contrary, there is an absolutely different type of approach, like accelerators. And these accelerators are providing some services and they're taking the the equity of these projects, right? In, in case we're talking about, you know, the ordinary businesses, they're taking the equity and this is their payment. They are much closer to the success. Instead of the success of the ecosystem of the startups, they're taking the equity of very specific startups. And they are, uh, and they they see the value in these startups succeeding. So instead of so here here is the difference right mythical uh, startup ecosystem versus particular startups right and that's uh, and that's the difference and this is something that needs to be implemented with the Kickstarter type of model then people community is investing in the projects they are getting tokens of these projects and they are monitoring closely it so. We have here, so like people are investing and they are taking care of this. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in some kind of infrastructure type of projects. I'm not going to invest in the games because, because this is closer to me. I'm going to, I'm, uh, I cannot just throw out money and just not think about it. Um, and I'm, I'm following the updates from the project and this is something that is close to me. So this is what, what we are trying to, to implement. This is what we are trying to, to introduce there. An ability for for the community to be uh, to well to say, I'll say it, to to diversify in between different projects and be a um, controlling entity for this project. In the last ten years, over one hundred billion dollars worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability, that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. You have to check out Zengo, an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which is just until now, only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com. Code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of 200 or more. Mm. So in the sense that the one of the key distinguishing factors between the current grants system, which is not working, and the accelerator model and Web2, which does work, is that 
you mentioned a couple of things. One is the filtration of the 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 startups. So choosing good startups matters, and then having the correct incentive system, meaning that in the traditional Web two world, the accelerator, the tech accelerators, would own a piece of piece of the company, anywhere from one percent to. 15% of the company typically. And therefore, they're incentivized to pour resources, it could be money or advisor time or whatever it is, into the company with the benefit of the upside. That model, you know, YC, Techstars, and a whole host of others have proved that out. Would it? Would that look like in the decentralized world, <clears throat> would it look like individuals or teams of people come to uh, near, they come to Aurora and they say, Hey, we want to raise a uh, hundred thousand US dollars. Or maybe there's a template offer. It's like a hundred thousand for 5% of the, this is where I'm a little confused as how it would look. So in the case of the typical, say LLC or standard company, it's an app that's built on top of a protocol. Like an app doesn't have to be decentralized, right? It can use the benefits of the blockchain and still be a standard company. I mean, correct. See, tell me if you see it differently. But you could run the same, the same tactics all the way through an accelerator on top of crypto. But absolutely, yeah, tell me. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so so you're absolutely right. So like you're pulling pulling all of the secrets, but okay, I'm 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 absolutely happy to share it. So we are trying to um, we're actually trying to implement the model of of another great platform that allows uh, similar behavior, but it is better suited for for this kind of community and the more diverse uh, and more decentralized kind of decision maker making and this is the well well known platform angel list right so we're trying to implement something like that um so again the the idea is pretty pretty simple new teams are appearing there is a specific set of people who are actually having the access to these teams. These are angel investors, maybe ecosystem funds, um, and, and different VCs. They're having the, the access to these people. Ordinary token holders, unfortunately, do not have the access to these teams. And at the moment when they are exposed to these teams, it is already for sure not the seed stage. So, uh, so the idea here is to bridge the gap uh, and give an ability for uh, for individual investors to invest at the at the early stage, while not having all of that connections. So imagine the angel list that is working uh, with a syndicate leads. So the people who are actually bringing projects in as angel investors from Aurora and Near Ecosystem, and also VCs that are also might be sharing some kind of portion of their own deal together with the community. And then the community is able to invest their own uh, stable coins while everybody are getting the, the cashback or long-term incentives in form of, of the Aurora token from the community treasury. And this is something that we are building. This is something that uh, we believe is a much, much better um, setup for uh, deploying community uh, community money in order to achieve better results um, in terms of the ecosystem development. So I love it. My immediate thought is is how does this how does this fit into the bigger picture? Because to me, Aurora is great and it's, it'd be fantastic if you had this. However, 
there does seem to be a bigger consolidation opportunity where it's like, yeah, you have this problem. So does near, so does, you know, I could name 15 other projects that also have this problem. Uh, it would seem to me that if I'm a token holder of Aurora, I probably also have Ethereum and Bitcoin and t- 10 other projects. So if I could go to one place, I'm less interested in the specific uh, currency or the specific protocol. And I'm more interested on, on the higher level, like what is this app doing? And then I'd like to be able to see visibility into the the app layer as opposed to you know, going to Aurora. Judging by the way you smiled, I'm guessing this is a thought that you've had. Do you see this as something that's applicable across the market or Absolutely. Absolutely. I well, I do believe that uh, that that projects can that that would be able to use this Aurora treasury. They might be even not the projects that are launched on Aurora. Hmm. Like. Uh, but maybe they are just considering launching on Aurora in the longer term. Uh, but it is easier for them to build something, something somewhere else, right? Uh, I do not think that we are going to limit um, anyone there. But you are absolutely right that this is a part of the bigger picture, right? What is what is the point in the community treasury giving out the money? The point is that the platform is going to take a cut. Uh, a cut in the project tokens. Now, what the platform is going to do with this project tokens? And here comes into the picture uh, an interesting uh, value accrual mechanics of the Aurora token. So many layer one protocols are forcing their users to buy their own token in order to pay for the transaction fees. Uh, this is true for Bitcoin, for Ethereum, for NEAR, and for other blockchains. Uh, from my point of view, this is a mistake, and uh, this is not something that is bringing the value to the token. If we will calculate all of the fees that were consumed in Ethereum within the past year, totally they constitute less than, well, around 1% of the uh, total market cap of Ethereum, which means if you are looking at Ethereum as a business, it means that the valuation of the company is 100 times more than the revenues. And I'm not not, not even, <laughs> then this is revenues, this is not even profits, right? Uh, because miners also need to pay for the electricity, buy new equipment and all of this stuff. This is insane. For ordinary companies, the coefficient goes from 5 to 12 or something like that. No more than that. For And this is for Ethereum, the most expensive blockchain out there. For, for many blockchains, this coefficient, like the, the fees are constituent like 0.001% or something like that. The value is not in the fees. The value is in the ecosystem that is built on top of these blockchains. If you will take a look at TVL of Ethereum, then it is about half of the market cap of Ethereum. That's the reason. These are, and DeFi is the biggest use case, right? So, uh, so it is the ecosystem that, that is saying. So, and actually, uh, people, ordinary people in the world also understanding it. Uh, let's take a look at Dubai, zero taxes. Does it mean that Dubai city worth nothing? 
I do not think that Dubai Sheikh is going to sell me Dubai for zero dollars, right? <laughs> the value is obviously there. It is not, it's just not in the fees. It is not in the, in the taxes. It is in the, in the projects that are there. It is for Dubai. It is in the businesses that are there. So if we would, and imagine the following thing. If you are a citizen of Dubai and because of the law, you're getting a share in all of the projects and all of the businesses that are working in the Dubai, wouldn't it be a great value share mechanism? So the way how, how it works with Aurora token um, is the following. People are, uh, token Aurora token holders are able to stake Aurora token. And as a reward to it, they receive the tokens of different projects that are working on Aurora. Staking Aurora, you become an, a citizen. Receiving the, re the rewards and different project tokens, you're becoming a shareholder or kind of an, an owner, part, a part, you know, partly owning these this protocols, these other protocols. And, and here we have community treasury. It takes the cut in the project tokens that are launching on, on Aurora and they're streaming these tokens back to the Aurora community. And moreover, <laughs> this is like, it is not set in stone. This is something that the community will be able to, to work on. There is this mechanism. It is implemented. Uh, but the community, the market will push uh, push the projects to actually share the portion of the token with the community back. And it w because of the very, very simple kind of open market um, uh, thought, imagine two projects are coming to the Aurora Treasury and asking, hey, please invest in us. One project is saying, invest in us and uh, you're going to receive nothing. <laughs> And there is another, or like only the investors are going to get something. The community is not going to get anything. Or there is another project that is saying, invest, invest in us. We're going to do absolutely the same thing. We're going to deliver to the investors absolutely the same uh, tokens. But we also going to deliver to the community some portion of our tokens. Hmm. What, which projects is going to be voted? <laughs> Or it's kind of where people are going to invest. <laughs> yeah. So effectively, the reason why a project would be incentivized to have this sort of a secondary, um, <laughs> the word dividend comes to mind, because I think of that as a, a publicly traded equity or a company it would give money quarterly to shareholders based on the sh number of shares they have. And that is that's a secondary means of compensation in addition to the value creation from the share itself. So if I buy Apple at $100, it goes to $1,000. I now have 10 times more wealth because I bought it. Even if I didn't sell it, I, 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 it's still unrealized gains. The, the dividend is a direct payment you know, to me for owning this share. And so this, the stock could drop and I could still be getting paid. And people like that that feeling of having the consistency. I, I almost view it as when you describe the, the economics of the uh, compensation to investors, it's similar to the stock going up. You know, the investors want the project to, to grow, maybe to sell or to liquidate in some way to get a return. And then the shareholders, by analogy, would be the uh, Aurora community who is staking. 
So if I'm staking, then I'm, I'm getting a percentage of return of that project. To, to, to parse the idea out a little more, it would seem like the staking is, um, would it be dependent on, would I stake a specific project on Aurora or would I just generally stake the Aurora coin and then I'm receiving the sort of collective bounty from the different projects? Yeah, you're just taking only single token or raw token, and then you're receiving all of these bounties from all of the different tokens. Um, and like these bounties are actually the project tokens. So it is not like dividends, but it is actually stock, uh, but only some portion, right? So, um, and this is, this is literally an exchange. So remember, I was telling about the uh, long-term incentives for the projects, right? So within multiple years, projects, project founders are going to receive Aurora tokens from the, uh, from the, uh, from the community treasury. While the same holds true for, for this stock, according to the same schedule, community is going to receive some kind of reserved amount of project tokens. It is going to be slow. It is not going to disturb anybody, but for for the Aurora stakers or like Aurora citizens, uh, these people are actually will be able to get this value. Hmm. And it, so, so let's take an example. So say um, say you had ten projects on top of Aurora Coin, and over the course of let's call it one year, these ten projects were funded. Maybe they had a, a syndicate on top of this platform. And they each raised a million dollars for, for round numbers. So now we have 10 operational companies that are building apps on top of Aurora with a total funding distributed being 10 million. Uh, the, the, what are the mechanics of the, so, so now we'll take, say there's a, a you know, a thousand Aurora accounts. Um, that yeah, let, let, let me guide. Let me. Okay, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, these 10, 10 projects were raised from, from the investors, uh, that are, that are among Aurora community. Mm-hmm. They were investing stable coins. They were getting this money and these projects are capable of operating and they uh, turned out in the operational businesses. These, these people were getting some, some, some project tokens. But the community treasury was also given to the investors a little bit of Aurora as a cashback. Mm. And the, and it was allocating to the projects also some portion, uh, of the Aurora that is going to be d- exchanged over time into the project tokens. Oh, okay. Can I pause you right there for a second? Is so the, would you consider the Aurora treasury as just one of the investors? So just. What you can think of it like that. Yeah. You can think of the, the platform. It's, it's even not, not the investors. It's pre- people who are investing, but Aurora Treasury getting is creating additional, additional benefits mm-hmm. in the angel list model. Uh, angel list itself is not investing. It's just taking a cut while here Aurora, Aurora Treasury on the contrary is going to give some additional benefits and also for this cut, right? Mm-hmm. So it is not just a passive consumer of the value that is created. Mm-hmm. So would Aurora Coin need to dis- Aurora Treasury would need to make decisions on which projects to invest in and how much? No, it's people. It's people. It's just go- everything is going to be in the smart contracts. It is either Aurora, a community investing in the project, and then everything happens, 
or they are not investing and then nothing happens. This is, this is, I believe that this is a secret sauce. Um, everybody are moving into DAOs and, uh, I believe uh, by now people understood that, you know, DAOs are very inefficient and, um, uh, incapable of making, uh, uh, educated decisions, especially with, uh, and especially in the, in the questions of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, technological upgrades, uh, the directions of the development and stuff like that. But everybody in crypto, uh, better or worse, are able to invest in the projects. And this is something that everybody does, uh, which means the, the knowledge is there. And what we're trying to utilize here is actually this knowledge. There are lots of people on the community. They, the community somehow decides uh, whether to invest or not. And this is a, a, a truly community decision. Uh, and this decision is somewhat uh, kind of educated. So people know how to do that stuff. Um, crypto crypto is, is growing or in, in general as, as an industry. So it means that probably people are investing or like knowing a little bit something about it um and uh, and we're trying to extract this this knowledge from it so people invest in case the investment is done well it means that people probably feel that uh, something is going to be good out of this project and well who knows maybe in 60 cases out of 100 uh this is actually going to work and now we're we're getting this knowledge and, and we are just uh, just using it yeah I love this idea. I, I'm so fascinated by it because it, it seems like if you nail it, it's one of these things that can not only work for Aurora and, and increase the, what would you call it? The productivity of the grant money in the treasury, right? And, but it would also do it for just about every other company, every other protocol, every other treasury. If you can create the right incentive structure, I, do you think of the, do you think of, um, kind of back to the technical question do you think of it as a binary like would the dow either vote yes or no to make an investment into a project or is it more up to the individual to say yes i'm willing to put in you know a hundred dollars worth of aurora into this project and then projects just raise what they raise uh, I think we can start with a simple model. However, over time, it is going to be developed. So as far as I understand in Kickstarter, there is a way how projects are able to set up different targets. And depending mm -hmm. on the targets, they are going to deliver more. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to start the kind of uh, woodworking shop uh, in case you will give, me, give to me 20k. But if you will give to me 50k, I would be able to hire one additional person for me. So we would be able to scale the production and stuff like that. So, so these some kind of goals, uh, I think it's a natural expansion of the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're thinking beyond Aurora on this, right? You, you think allow this to be available to every different protocol out there? Um, in general, yes. So um, obviously, uh, the focus at the very beginning is going to be around Aurora um, and building the ecosystem. In the end, this is the Aurora ecosystem uh, uh, treasury, right? Um, our community treasury. But in case, in case, imagine the following situation: uh, there is an angel, um, and there is a project that is coming to. 
to this angel investor and is saying, we are building a bridge, the best bridge in the world for, for whatever, for NFTs. So, and they cannot be tied only to Aurora. But this project has has a token, right? And they they need to they they w- they are willing to raise money. They are willing. They have some kind of ideas on how to do it, um, and they are saying, "Yeah, please invest in us." And the angel and angel thinks that uh, this is a great project. Why not to offer it to Aurora community also to invest? And then there is obviously bridge cannot be located only on a single blockchain. So this kind of multi-blockchain thing, but it is Aurora community who invested in this initiative and it is Aurora community who is going to get back the tokens through this, this mechanism, through the staking mechanism. Why it is bad? It is not bad. It is just, um, given an ability for people, uh, not to, not to be bounded by a single ecosystem, but rather, you know, kind of expand. And, uh, I believe everybody are going to win from this moment. Super interesting. Um, and are you in the design phase of this, or ideation phase, or building phase? Uh, uh, we are in the building phase. Yes, it's awesome. Um, I love that. Well, I'll put that aside for a minute, but I, I can't wait to see where you go with this. Uh, on, on the tokenomics, when you started, how did you decide? What were the key decisions in creating the tokenomics of Aurora? What, what were things that you really deliberated on, and how long did you spend, and what was the research portion of the project like early on? So uh, the 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 answer is very quick. Uh, I was not, uh, you know, spending lots of time on this, and actually the token economy and the, again launching the token. Uh, was in the hands of the DAO. So my goal as a tech guy, as a lead for the tech, uh, for the development company was actually to launch this thing, <laughs> to launch Rainbow Bridge, to launch Aurora, to launch uh, Aurora Plus that we launched. And then we are thinking about launching this, uh, these additional products, right? This is, this is the only thing that we are focused on. However, Aurora DAO has, uh, uh, 13 members at the moment, and these are very prominent companies. Aurora Labs is occupying only one seat. So we are controlling like seven and a half percent of the decision making. Um, while there are others, and these others are kind of reputable companies and, and, and people, uh, including Consensus, Etherscan, Infura, uh, um, uh, uh, uh who else? Uh, Dodo Finance, One Inch, mm-hmm. um, and then also there are some VCs in the mix, like Pantera, uh, Dragonfly, Lemniscap, and others. So, so, so the DAO is is pretty diverse. There are different people with different uh, kind of ideas and different uh, outlook on the on the ecosystem. And it was uh, it was just a discussion. Okay, we just started to to have this already. We didn't want as a development company to launch a token uh, because from our point of view uh, from the decentralization point of view uh, we do believe that this should not happen centrally <laughs> when there is a single entity who is controlling it it's, it's some kind of strange and then the question is we do not want to force our users to pay fees in our token then the question is why do you want to have a token right so so instead of doing it uh, we propose to the community to launch a DAO 
the DAO was formed. And then the DAO in the discussions uh, was raising the concern that it is not enough. 13 reputable members, uh, good companies, it is not enough for the true decentralization. And uh, the only way that they see how the, the, you know, the things can work uh, forward is that there is a token and token holders are able to voice their opinions. So moreover, up until now, uh, there is no kind of final decision on, on everything. So there is a decision that, okay, Aurora token should be there. It should be a governance token. Pretty straightforward. Because of this, it is not a currency. It is just the representation of the voting rights. So there is no need for it to be, for example, inflationary. So it has a fixed, su- fixed supply of 1 billion assets. Okay. Uh, the token was created. Every, all of the all of the supply was transferred to the DAO. Now the question: What to do with it? Now the DAO need to decide what are the buckets. And I can say that only some things are decided. For example, this twenty percent for the community treasury. But there is a whole whole bunch of uh, tokens that are sitting in the DAO smart contract, and there is no final decision how these tokens are going to be deployed and how they are going to be used. Uh, but this is this is the question to the DAO, um, and um, they they still need to decide. So uh, I believe this 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 kind of approach to the token economy is pretty aligned with the agile manifesto. Like let's let's build as we go. Uh, because we cannot plan from the very, very beginning everything, whether we need to, you know, kind of sh- shift things and all of the stuff. Okay, we know that this is a governance token. This is good. We know that there should be two use cases. One is the value capture. The second is the governance use case. Okay, for the governance use case, we are going to, in order to do it, we need to have a staking mechanism similar to proof of stake, right? In proof of stake blockchains, the governance are done by the validators who are, who are staking the tokens. And, okay, we need to have a staking mechanism so people are not able to game the system in case they're voting on something. Okay, the staking needs to be there. That That's clear. Okay, then then the community treasury it needs to be built because the commu- we need to, we can use this knowledge of investing into the in, into crypto projects. So let's use it. What else people can do? Well, probably the only thing that, that in order not to, you know, overcomplicate the, the situation, the only thing that normally people are doing with their governance rights is from time to time go into elections, which means that the DAO should have a council seat and these councils should be elected sometime, sometimes, once a year, once every two years or something like that. And then people who are staking tokens, they are able to elect these people. So that's that's the concept. Moreover, this concept is not yet fully finalized. So there, there is this idea, but the DAO members are still discussing. And again, anyone can, can, can join uh, these discussions on our governance forum. Um, and then like there is a giant pile of money that is there that is that is not have that, that doesn't have any any application at the moment so um yeah it still needs to be decided but dao has this powerful tool of uh, quite a big budget for it to figure it out and i'm i am pretty comfortable with knowing that not everything is determined at this point, uh, and that's that's not a problem, right? Mm-hmm. We just uh, build as we go, and what DAO uh, 
and we just as a, as a development company we're just listening to the directions of the DAO. they're saying okay you need to once 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 the governance kind of uh, uh the, the voting mechanics is going to be finished well then we are going to implement it right uh, but right now we are just not not doing it because it is still in the discussions Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Interesting. And, and behind the scenes, uh, how is it, you know, 13 individual, you call them, uh, they're not board members, constituents on the DAO. Is it frustrating trying to, do you feel like you're hurting cats sometimes when you have high profile members, constituents uh, to get them to either voice their opinions or actually, you know, I, I've been on the a board of startups before and even when you have four board members trying to get signatures for you know whether it's like uh like a transaction that the company's making or like equity compensations for people like anytime you need signatures from multiple people it's hard you know especially when people are high profile is that a reality a frustrating reality behind the scenes and i'm also curious how do you actually encode their decision into into the DAO. I mean, the the DAO, I almost feel like sometimes we say the DAO as if it's this thing we worship, like this this great DAO. But you have to so, program it into a smart contract, right? Absolutely. So everything is happening on the chain. Uh, everything is in the smart contract, and uh, the actual voting is happening in the smart contract, right? Whether it is the allocation of some assets or just the, just the poll or maybe some kind of interaction with other smart contracts um, that are out there. Um, it is happening like that. The thing that we developed, and yes, I'm with you, it is frustrating, it is hard, uh, uh, because first of all, high profile individuals, they do have their own stuff, and they need to take care of it. Um, this is something that we are, that from my point of view, would, would be able to overcome with the elections. Uh, and we're like, I was actually proposing to the DAO members to, to say that, okay, councils are similar to the parliament. And uh, and the people in the parliament they are getting paid, and this is their day to day job. They they need to, like people who are who are who who are trying to get the seat there. They must understand that this should be at least their half time job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or better, full time job to think about the ecosystem and making sure that they are navigating it to the uh, to the better future. So this is one thing, and another thing is improving the user experience so in order to in order to improve to simplify the interaction with the smart contract to the DAO members um uh, our friends uh, from the some some people from the from the near uh, ecosystem developed a very convenient telegram bot where you are actually able to click a couple of buttons and vote on the proposals 
directly from your smartphone in the in the telegram and this is actually a transaction that is happening on the near blockchain mm. so so the convenience means everything here in, in case you are able to open open, open the, da- the DAO group or open the chat with this bot check on the active proposals look in the in the details of the proposal maybe read a forum article about it and in case you're okay with it you just click one button literally and then the bot creates a transaction on your blockchain transaction is going to the smart contract everything executed boom it's done <laughs> so so this thing is already there we're using it and uh, literally DAO in the telegram uh, with everything happening with everything secure and happening on the blockchain. Uh, again, user experience here matters a lot, um, and that that simplifies things. In uh, one more quick question: when you when a question is going to be put forth to the community members, how is the question? Like who submits the question on the bot? Maybe not Telegram specifically, but whether it's on Telegram or whether it's on the forum, is that like yeah. uh, you anyone is able to do it? Okay, uh, anyone there... anyone is able to do to do. It. Got it. So there could be a hundred questions at once being pulled. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In general, yes. In general, yes. So so the the there is some kind of flow. Uh, to, like to my shame, I, I cannot you know fully reproduce it, but there is some kind of flow on the on the governance forum. There are moderators that are that are sitting there, um, and uh, people are able to create topics. Uh, they are able to do uh, to 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 propose stuff, uh, but in general, from the standpoint of the smart contract, anyone is able to create proposals. It's just in case the proposal is strange, and then obviously people just go to skip it and not going to vote it on on it, which means that it's going to expire, and uh, it's the same as people were voting no. Yeah, um, yeah. Are there any other projects that you're particularly excited about, or you find that they're taking a unique? And kind of innovative solution. I mean, even the things we covered in this conversation with the platform to invest in new apps, the uh, parliamentary idea with uh, voting uh, seats. Are there other ideas that you've heard thrown around from other projects that you have piqued your interest? Um, so I'm I'm extremely happy with everything that we are developing within our initiative recently launched Aurora Plus. I encourage everybody to take a look at uh, at the presentation of Aurora Plus. It is 20 minute um, video that we did on the YouTube. It is uh, I would say high end for for the crypto projects. Um, uh, and this is I, I'm I'm really really like I'm really excited about this development. So. Um, actually, to 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 give you a sense what Aurora Plus is, um, I can uh, I, I can explain it with the one liner. Literally, Aurora Plus is your like your Apple account. It makes your Apple device personalized to you. This is what Apple account is doing. You feel personal when you're using this particular device because it knows who you are. Right. It has. It knows your applications. It can download your photos on your device and all of this stuff. So, Apple uh, Apple Plus Aurora Plus is doing absolutely the same. It personalizes the usage of the blockchain. 
And the most important thing, what it does, it personalizes the, the, like I'm going to say something, something crazy. It personalizes the gas prices for you. And what we did, we implemented the very first and very simple concept. Uh, it's just we're given to all of the users who created their Aurora Plus account uh, 50 free transactions a month. While some people are paying or, or, or they are using the free transactions and they are paying literally zero uh, for the execution of the transactions, the others already exceeded this amount and they are paying more than that. There are lots of interest in tech involved in it, but over the time, what we're going to do with it, we're going just to transform uh, transform the the payments for the usage of the blockchains into into the subscriptions. Absolutely the same thing that happened with the mobile networks in in the end of nineties, beginning of uh, of zeros. Uh, we have been paying per second or per minute or per SMS, right? <laughs> you remember that that time? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and and now everything converged into I'm just buying 10 gigabytes of data and that's it. I'm just not thinking about minutes. I'm not thinking about all this right. stuff. It is convenient. I'm just, and moreover, it, it automatically renews. It, it, it takes the payment from my card and I'm just not thinking of it. It is, it, it goes somewhere else, right? That's, it just works. Hmm. We're, we're trying to build, uh, we're trying to bring absolutely the same look and feel for the blockchain. Why people need to think about payment per transactions? There is no need to do it. Like mm. we can change it. <laughs> and this is what we're doing with Aurora Plus. Moreover, moreover, why it is me who needs to think about it, about my transactions on the blockchain, about pay, about payments for my transactions. Just think of it. Uh, again, web to, web to, um, kind of, uh, a kind of example. Uh, I'm a user of a YouTube. I know that YouTube business model is either I'm watching the ads or I'm buying a subscription. I'm paying five bucks per month or something like that. This is the thing that is exposed to me. This is a business model of the YouTube. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think about the servers that they are renting in the cloud? probably Google Cloud, right? Do I think about the content delivery networks that they're using? Do I pay for every gigabyte of the videos that I'm watching on the storage solutions? Am I paying for the Cloudflare that, that YouTube is using? Right. Am I exposed to it? Like, I, I even do not think of it. We are so used to this stuff, to the segregated business models that... That's like, that's, that's just, just the bread. This is a bread and butter of, of the everyday web too. It's kind of interesting. So why, so why do I need to think about ETH fees when I'm using Uniswap? <laughs> why do I need, like, what, what's the reason? It just complicates it. Mm. In case I'm using Uniswap, I have one business model. You just pay some kind of percentage of, of, of the, the fee on the swap. Okay, that's straightforward. Why I need to think about the fact that transactions on Ethereum they they cost something, and depending on other applications, I need to <laughs> to pay more or less, right? This is the complex thing. 
So, and so, I'm even not saying about about stuff for for example for mobile games like their uh, blockchain gaming is is not working. Um, yeah. So this would be to say, uh, so in the case of YouTube, every time I play a video, it costs Google YouTube money. I mean, it's some, some very, very, very small amount of money, but bandwidth costs money. The same way when I move Ether around, it costs somebody, some miner has to do some work somewhere to record that and distribute that information. The idea being that that cost is going to decrease over time. And that if I'm somebody who uses Ether a lot, then I want to be able to just pay a flat fee. So the value proposition I think of to the, the consumer who's using it is, is price predictability. I can say it's guaranteed to cost me, you know, YouTube is going to cost you $5 this month, $5 next month, and $5 a month after, regardless of how many videos you watch. And you don't feel ripped off if you don't go on YouTube for a month. I mean, after a few months of not using it, attrition happens and you drop off. But you don't, it just, it somehow removes the concept of paying per product or per video instead of like per the community. So I'm, I'm, it's almost that I'm, and I think why it hasn't happened yet, my guess is that <clears throat> you think of YouTube as a community and it's, it's almost like a gym membership I pay for to get access to. And the same in Netflix and elsewhere, whereas in Ether and Bitcoin and everywhere else, it's so it's so wild west that you just kind of, there's no lines. It's just like you move between use Uniswap to move between all these cryptos, and to to effectively you'd be drawing a box around a currency and say this is the world you're in and you pay ten dollars a month to get access to this world we're going to make this world amazing you can move around for free in this world if you go outside this world it's on you you know youtube doesn't govern amazon they don't govern twitch um super interesting something like that something like that but the most the most important piece here is that we just need to simplify stuff, right? Uh, and we need not to expose all of these complicated concepts to people. Pe- mm. People normally do not know what, what the freaking CDN means, right? Yeah. Content delivery network, who have ever heard it? But this is, this is something that every day is used every time when you're, when, when you're consuming the content. But you ju- just do not think it's like, uh, I, I'm driving a car. I do not know anything about how the how the diesel <laughs> engine is working yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah. like on, only the basic concepts right right and and, and there is no need to do it the, the same the same thing with the blockchains we are as a teenagers we are obsessed with our ideas we are obsessed with the with the with all of this permissionless trustless decentralized stuff and unfortunately we are failing constantly failing as a community into delivering this to people who not who do not understand it, mm. um, and because of this, blockchain is not growing. Mm. Take a look at the at the Etherscan stats on the on the growth of the of the of the number of addresses in Ethereum. The growth rate starts to decrease. It is insane. Just think of it. The growth rate, instead of being exponential, because more people are using they are constantly creating new addresses this happens constantly uh, usually like you just need to have an additional wallet additional account and stuff like that but it it decreases 
people are not common. They do not understand. The amount of people who are capable of understanding of it uh, is kept. <laughs> like, mm. like, like, like that, that, that's the problem. So we need to, we need to move it. And, and please, and to everybody who are thinking, well, the blockchain is special. It is a limited, limited, uh, you know, throughput there. And because of this, the gas prices can vary and you can, you cannot predict. Uh, I, I, I tell to the, all of these people, please stop. <laughs> Take a look at the amount of the cell towers out there. It is limited. Take a look at the amount of cross Atlantic uh, cables, internet cables. The throughput there is limited. But somehow people from the web to the same people that you are blaming about all of the bad things happening in the world, but somehow these people are figure, figure, figured out how to balance the load. Somehow they figured out what to do with these situations, right? Uh, so instead of just doing the revolutions, let's learn. <laughs> let's learn. And we will also figure out how to balance the load. We will also figure out how to create the business models that are going to be sustainable and will be simple for people. Mm. Alex, I, I love your ideas. I love your ideas specifically in how you sort of think outside of the, the, the box of what you're currently building or maybe around the Aurora ecosystem. Like our conversation about the platform to invest in, to allow treasuries to distribute funds for new app projects to reduce fraud. Like that's a huge idea. That That's like way beyond Aurora. It, it, I mean, no offense, obviously, but that's like an industry changing concept that it was fun to, to dive in with you on. Um, are you active on Twitter? Are you writing anywhere? Anything you want to throw out there in the world? We'll have links to all the Aurora-related stuff, but anything personally? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As a, as a crypto guy, I must be active in Twitter because this is the natural media for crypto crypto people to, to exchange opinions and socialize. So, yeah. Alex Aurora Dev, this is my this is my Twitter handle. Um, you would nice. be able to find mainly uh, kind of technical stuff there, since I'm the technical guy. Yeah, and I know Prisha, we were talking about you're from Ukraine. You moved out of Ukraine now, but you've really contributed to the the war that's going on. For people who are not deeply involved or not Ukrainian. Um, is there anything that you think is helpful uh, aside from just you know giving money? Is there anything that else that comes to mind? Or even if it is giving money, are there specific pro programs that you think of? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. So there is a, there is a fund uh, in case in case you're trying to find in case you're in crypto and you're trying to find a good place uh, and you would like to support Ukraine uh, and humanitarian initiatives there. Uh, there is a fund that we are working with uh, as a company and personally. It is called Unchain Fund. Um, it was started by near founders. Um, it was started by by many crypto people, uh, and altogether this fund is. is probably the one of the best places where crypto people are able to uh, to make a difference in in this uh, unfortunate uh, situation happening in the world mm, unchained all right thanks so much alex it's been a blast and i hope you have you back on someday congrats and and keep doing your thing man absolutely and thanks mike all right bye <gasps>
Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.